it's not just a nutritional thing either. You know, when biodynamics, we talk about the energetics of it. It's not just what you put in your mouth. It's what you're absorbing through your skin. It's the attitude you have when you're eating the food. It's the engagement with the um, with the with the. It's the engagement with that food. It's a reverence for that food, and there is something in that. That was Charlie Arnott, and you're listening to the Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally and their continuing connection to country, culture, community, land, sea and sky. And we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an 8th generational Australian regenerative farmer. And in this podcast series, I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host, Charlie Arnott. Don't forget our spring Intro to Biodynamics workshops are coming up fast. We are at Hanamino in Borowa in New South Wales on the 7th and 8th of October, then travel to Victoria in mid-October, Tasmania in late October, with our last workshop for the year in the beautiful Margaret River in WA during late November. All are welcome, urban gardeners, broadacre farmers, graziers, viticulturists alike. No previous experience required as Hamish and Charlie cover it all. For more details, check out our website www.charliearnett.com .com.au and follow the events link. G'day, welcome to episode one of season four of The Regenerative Journey and I, I, am, I find myself on the veranda facing north at the farm at Byron Bay where I spend um, a fair bit of time actually and for very good reason which we might even touch on. I might, I might make a note of that actually. There you go, there's my first little variation on the theme already. Um, this episode is really about uh, a bit of a kickoff for season four. A um, bit of touching on a, on on you know who you can look forward to hearing about why um, you know their as is the theme of the show obviously um, the their regenerative journeys. Um, I am just reminded quickly. I've had to. I'm sitting on the on the veranda here at the farmhouse, and there's a lot, slight wind, and I've had to put a one of my socks. Those who are on the um, on the on the YouTube machine or any other visual device uh, or platform would see a reasonably smelly sock. I wish I had put clean ones on this morning that is on there acting as a, a fluffy rabbit thing to stop the wind. So hopefully you don't hear the whistling, the whistling wind. Um, so, yeah, so a bit of a bit of a rundown on, on the season, season four, which is really exciting because I, I should have checked this morning, but I think we're up to 320,000 downloads, which I think is not too bad after all this little bit of wind. Just there, um, which is not bad. After I think just over, tw- well, a bit over twelve, fourteen months, we've had of those fourteen months, we've probably had four or five months off. I think we've had a pretty long stint away this time. Um, and what's beautiful to hear um, and to read and to see is messages of um, of thanks and, and appreciation, gratitude for the show. Um, you know, there's still well, of course, and I hope that it continues. People are. Um, discovering it, you know, now um, after three seasons, which is awesome, you know, and 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 you know, um, <laughs> we're going to do our best to um, to keep promoting it and 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 make sure more and more people keep discovering because I think that's it's one of those things that um, 
you know, given the feedback we're getting, given the vibe, you know, and, and I guess the the energy and the the momentum we feel that we've got, um, you know, we think it's it's going all right. So, you know, we were nominated for best um, interview for the Australian Podcast Awards last year. Um, they are on again this year. We haven't quite worked out which um, categories we'll jump into. Uh, maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's something I'll ask you right now. Our lovely. Um, viewers and, 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 and listeners at this point, because we haven't got all our videos on, online yet, on the line, there's a dog about to piss on a mint bush. <laughs> just, just uh, Andy Carbone, where are you, mate? Your dog is desecrating the, um, the vegetables. Um, yeah, question to our lovely listeners is, um, who would you like to... Um, who do you think our, our best interview was with? Um, from I'm going to say season three. I'm, I'm still not quite sure what the parameters for the Australian Podcast Award um, uh, submissions are. What, but I, I reckon they're probably probably from somewhere like you know July. Would it be July last year? Maybe it's August last year. I can't remember. But anyway, certainly it would in, encapsulate season three. Um, we'll get some details on that uh, close to the time. But if you if you are listening to this and you have a a voice, and you always have a voice, um, which is something we'll get to later on. Um, I'm going to write that down, the voice, and I'm not talking about our favourite singer, Johnny Farnham. I'm talking about your own individual voice. Um, you let us know who you think you would like to see us um, put in the category of best um, best in, uh, best interview because I'd just love to know. You know, you guys are the best, um, the best reference point for us to, to understand what really resonated with you. So to season four, we're backtracking, aren't we? So let's step into the future, which is going to kick off on September 7. You should be listening to this on or after the September 7, if all goes to plan, um, in 2021. And we have um, a cracking um, season uh, lined up for you. We have more than half of the ones we're going to uh, interview and, and release for season four in the bag. We have got Maggie Beer. I'm going to kick this one off. Um, I think it's safe to say that, oh, I'm right in saying Maggie Beer is, um, is next, is next week. Um, who doesn't love Maggie Beer? And I tell you what, I didn't I just, I mean, I appreciated her. I appreciated her cooking, her books, her personality. But when you meet um, you know, and I had the pleasure of, of interviewing Maggie in her piano room, her music room at her house, her cottage in the Barossa. Um, so not, not the farm that um, where they sort of, uh, Colin and her first settled many years ago, 40 years ago, I think it was, and, and grew um, quince and, and, and produced pheasant. Um, their own personal farm, which is just such a beautiful just speaks speaks so so um, loudly of her her style and her attitude to life in a music room and what an absolute delight it was to chat with her um, and she was under the pump too I turned up in the morning I walked in the wrong way you know sort of nearly fell into the pool found my way tapped on a glass window um, anyway we got <laughs> we got set up in the music room I had to be able to dismantle what she'd you know. <laughs> Just against my, my gear, my gear in there and everything. She's so charming and uh, and forgiving at the same time. And we had such a lovely yarn. It was only about 40, 45, 50 minutes because she was having to then go and shower and head to. It was in the middle of Taste Australia there in South Australia, in the middle of the celebrations in um, late April, early May, and she was under the pump. So I just really appreciate the fact that Maggie Beer, the legend that is, um, who was the Australian of the Year. Senior Australian of the Year a few years ago, um, 
she gave me that time, so that's awesome. So she was she's she's next she's next week. Um, we've got a really good, um, I think, so far because we're sort of only you know say sixty percent of the way through the. Um, uh, the, the the recordings. I've got a few more to do this week, and we are at the farm at Byron Bay, and you will hear a, um, uh, a buggy driving past. Oliver, Oliver's eggs. If you don't know Oliver and his eggs, get yourself at to the Mullumbimby markets or somewhere and get them. Um, so that's why we're on a working farm. So that's why you can hear the noise <clears throat> and the dog pissing on the mint. Um, where was I? You did did do. Who was next? I can't remember. I was banging on about then. Um, yeah, so pretty good, pretty good. Um, I guess breadth of, of subject matter this this season. We've got um, farmers. We've got current farmers. We're carbon farmers. We've got transitioning farmers. Um, Nick Mace. <clears throat> I am. Uh, I'm hoping to um, interview. Um, that's that's to be decided. Uh, and Stuart Austin, who is Wilmot Cap- Capital, uh, Cattle Co., who um, you might be aware um, earlier this year um, did a deal with you know, the the, um, the organisation or the business he works with um, uh, did, a, did a deal with Microsoft um, in regard to carbon credits, which was which was quite eye opening um, and sort of setting a potentially a bit of a standard in in how to um, activate uh, property natural capital. Landscape natural capital, uh, and that's you know that's that's an interesting topic which I might touch on a bit later on. That that you know what is well what is natural capital, but also you know not so much what right do we have to activate it, but how can we and how you know what are the parameters and what's the, what what are the long term impacts and sort of the you know I've got some sort of questions around around sort of farm sovereignty and those sort of issues. <clears throat> um, so. Stuart Austin, he was just, uh, and I've been following you, um, uh, sorry, Stu, for you know some years now, and and you know, he's fascinating, fascinating story. Um, who else have we got? So that's sort of a bit more farming. We've got some viticulturalists, some some wine winemakers, grape growers, um, Melissa Brown there, Gem Tree in South Australia, and Amelia Nolan at Alkina in the Barossa as well. Um, where did I say did I, I, Gem Tree in in McLaren Vale in South Australia? So you know, I don't know. Oh no. Um, uh, Pete Windrum, I interviewed there in, in series. I think it was series two, actually, and we did talk a little bit about um, grapes and wine and yummy things. Um, so go back to that episode if you want to hear about Pete's amazing story and and uh, um, and, and, and sort of stepping into the world of biodynamics. So some really good yarns about um, grape growing and and how biodynamics is playing a part of that for those guys. And and um, in, in Amelia's case, some fascinating use of technology to work out the, the terroir and, and, the, and the differences in soil, not within like a, a paddock, you know, or a, a block of vines, but doing some sort of like, I guess it's sort of seismic, I can't remember quite the, the terminology, but some seismic crazy cool stuff <clears throat> and and working out the the... The, the rock type and the soil type, I guess, is the rock that produces the type of soil, and then correlating the the characteristics characteristics sorry, there's corellas everywhere. The characteristics of that soil and the and the wine it produces and the terroir, you know, the how that is <clears throat> reflected in the wine, and actually harvesting. I don't think I'm giving this away too much. Actually harvesting um, grapes not as a block, but in um, as a as a, a block of not as a normal block as in a square block or rectangular block, but as a block of soil, as an area of soil or a quadrant of soil, <clears throat> it's fascinating stuff. And you know that's a really good example, I reckon, of of science and technology and some pretty cool sort of you know seismic action. 
being used, you know, hand in glove with a with a with a very ancient, um, you know, farming practice of growing grapes and, and producing wine, and then identifying and separating and and really letting the individual soil type um, be expressed in the wine, as opposed to a big block, two different three different types of soil all coming together. Um, you know those grapes going into a thing, and then and, and those nuances just being a little bit sort of diluted, literally diluted by, by you know maybe a more um, a stronger flavoured sort of soil, you know. And that's in, I guess it's a, you know you know think about it, the flavour of soil. But it's that flavour of soil and the characteristics which are you will taste in wine, and it's, you know it depends on how how much you want to break that down into its individual components. Obviously, diversity is a, is a is a wonderful thing, but you know. Um, anyway, that's another one. Bang on about that. But I just, it was just fascinating stuff. And what Melissa's doing down there in McLaren Vale with um, husband Michael, um, just lovely, lovely people and just and doing wonderful, wonderful things with, with biodynamics. And the setup they've got down there to demonstrate that, it's just awesome. So go get yourself to Gem Tree down there um, as well. Who else? We're touching on the food. We've got Maggie, um, Rebecca Sullivan. Love Rebecca um, and Damo down there in South Australia. And the Claire went to visit their farm when I was down in South Australia early in this year. And just to, just to her wonderful story and, you know, her, her love of food, the love of people, the love of Indigenous culture and also... Um, the the use of and the propagating and the the reverence she has for indigenous um, foods and the culture it's just you know, just fascinating so I loved having a chat um, with Rebecca um, who else have we got Matt Evans you mate I've still got to get myself down to Tassie or to you with all the lockdowns and so on um, it's been pretty tough to um, yeah. <laughs> Get our get our our diaries aligned. Um, we've had a few cracks at it, um, but um, I'm hoping before the end of season four, I've, I've sat with Matt. Um, I did a, a bit of a sneak preview at the regionality conference there a few months ago, where I spoke with Matt for 50, uh, 20 minutes as part of a, a combo episode. You can get that um, sort of at the back end of season four, three, seven, season three. Such a he loves a yarn. He got some really good, really good. Um, t- uh, I was going to say tales. They are tales, I guess, in a way. Stories to tell and fascinating bloke so loving um looking forward to, to catching up with matt there um i've got a few others i'm not sure what i'm going to mention because i haven't actually interviewed them yet um but i don't know oh tammy jonas who i have interviewed um down there at Joni farms in dalesford she is awesome um talking about you know australian food um uh, sovereignty alliance so her work there how she got to be where she is now and her um, her husband, her very resourceful, lovely husband, Stuart, um, and just an amazing transformation of their farm from what it used to be to what it is now, what they're doing for community, for food, um, for ad- ad- advocacy of good, decent, nutritious food is awesome. So that's a, that's a cracker. That's in there as well. Michael Taylor, who <clears throat> I've known for a couple of years now, um, they're at um, sort of Walker, I guess it is, between Armidale and, and, um, and Gyra, somewhere in there. Is that right? No, Kentucky it is, Kentucky. Um, and Taylor's run. And Michael and his family there, there's quite a few family members still on the same, on the block there, but just the work that his family, mum and dad did, you know, 30 plus years ago with planting um, agroforestry, you know, in native and in, and in, and and uh, exotic species there, and the, the the workshops that they run, um, and Michael's, you know, 
regenerative journeys are awesome as well. So I think that's pretty much touched on all the ones that I've um, have actually interviewed. I've got a few more lined up, but maybe I won't touch on them until I've actually got them in the bag and keep you in suspense a little bit. Let's talk about the farm at Byron Bay. What an awesome place! It's pretty quiet now because it's uh, it's lockdown. We're all in lockdown, and um, we are. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit sad. It's a bit sad. Um, I reckon that you know we're 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 at that part of human history where it's an example of a place that has pigs and chickens and some horses and macadamias and vegetables and people and flowers and seedlings. <clears throat> it's empty, you know. Um, that is that's sad. Um, it's sad that, uh, look, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to bang on about this sort of thing. I guess I might as well go there now. Um, yeah, hang on. Before I do that, I've got, to, I've got to mix this one up here. Just before we leave the season four, a new segment we're going to do, and, and, it's, and it's something I have to play a bit of catch up on, and I think it's probably only going to be available to our Patreon members as a bit of a bonus, is, um, or it might be on YouTube, I'm not sure how we're going to rig it up yet, you might have some views either way, listeners, is sort of like some rapid-fire questions, which I've heard other podcasters do, and I kind of love the fact they're a standard set of, set of questions that um, that that I ask my, my guests, and they're pretty short, sharp, you know, answers. That's the, the, whole, whole, <laughs> the whole point of rapid-fire. <laughs> As per, um, so that's what I do. So if you guys have got any suggestions, I actually don't know quite how we're going to gather these 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 bits of feedback from you guys. One is the um, uh, this this sort of you know the rapid fire questions, um, and the other one I can't remember what I asked you to do last just before about ten minutes ago. Oh God, I'm going vague. Um, yeah, how are we going to gather that information? Whether that's oh, go to a, go to the website. That's what you can do. So go to the website. Drop your email in there and say, hey, you just listen to the podcast. I reckon you should ask these questions. We'd love to hear what you'd like to, um, to, to for me to ask in the rapid fire, the series of rapid fire questions to my guests. That's right. The other one was what was your favourite um, interview of, of season three? We'll keep it to season three for the time being. Get on the website. Let us know. Love to hear what you, what you reckon and we will um, we'll get on it. Uh, there are other categories in there as well, and the Australian Podcast Awards, which um, they're in there. I'm not sure if they're up on the website yet, but Google Australian Podcast Awards and check it out. And hopefully when we line ourselves up and we apply and we get accepted as an application, I'm not sure how the process works anymore, we'll get you to vote. Looking for more information to assist your regenerative journey? Come join Charlie and his guests around The Kitchen Table, an online community of supporters with exclusive access to the Regenerative Journey interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions, a chance to engage with other like-minded people and more. Go to www.charliearnett.com.au forward slash The Kitchen Table and we look forward to sharing a yarn with you. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Now, getting on to oh, the COVID. Don't know where to take it. I did have a bit of a rant on my newsletter the other day, and I guess I might just reiterate that without um, exploding. Mm. I'm trying to look. I'm, I'm looking at this pretty 
pretty logically and systematically and objectively, right? <clears throat> so, and I don't know if I need to dwell on this too much, because um, this is not this is a rant you know, of sorts, but it's not like a, it's not a challenge to anyone. This is not a you yeah, bloody do this or you know it, you know I'm not, this is not to sort of this is just to prompt a bit of thinking or some asking questions of me or of oneself or of the government or anyone else they want to ask questions of. I don't think we're actually asking enough questions, to be honest. There's something in that. Um, if, and these are questions I'd love answers for, if we, if the whole idea of the lockdowns or the mask wearing is to save lives, I think, I don't know as many people in government, in the general public, in any industry that, you know, wouldn't probably agree that the premise for this is we are doing these things, taking these measures to save lives. Right. If if that's not the premise, well, I've to, it's I'm, it's totally lost on me, and someone might want to tell me. Um, if that's the if that is indeed the 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 the, the premise for this to save human life, <clears throat> so are we actually doing that? Has the last eighteen months um, saved more lives by going down this path of lockdowns, um, vaccinations, mask wearing? restrictions, quarantines, are we saving more lives? If that is our foundational assumption, you know, throw a bit of science peek around there, we're testing the assumption that this is all about saving lives, then let's do the audit, you know. Someone needs to do the audit. I think there are people sort of throwing bits and numbers around, but I'm talking about, okay, if the 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 COVID is, um, is killing people, and it is, it is, you know, how many people? What I'd love to know is, you know, in a situation where on the news there's, say, 200 positives that pop up, in, in, you know, someone's going, oh, there's 200 extra cases, positive cases today. And yesterday there were 100, let's just say. And, the, you know, and the week before it was 50 or whatever it was, you know. And so to look at that, you go, oh, there's more cases. Yeah, that, okay, that's fine. But what is the, the bit that I think is missing is what is the proportion of um of, of people who are tested are positive. Because <clears throat> if that proportion is not changing, then we're not actually, there's not, a, there's not a higher outbreak. It's not as though there's more in the population. We're just understanding and we're, we're verifying that, yes, more people are tested and there are more positives. But if there's no change in the proportion, that's why I look at it. And that's not what we're being told. We're, 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 we're doing lockdowns and mas- masking in the whole show based on positives, okay? Can we trust those positives? Those positives? I don't know. Yeah, that's the questions I've got. Um, what are the death rates? Well, that's, you know, uh, you know there's a couple of point oh oh's there um, in terms of, um, you know, deaths, you know, as a, as a percentage. Um, so I'm not convinced that, you know, we've got the, it, it's, it's the, it's the, the killer. Um, and look, people are <clears throat> happy to challenge me. I'm not, it's not, but I'm not, I'm not saying this to challenge anyone. It's just like, this is what I'm, I'm you know, looking at the numbers and going, okay, so, um, are a lot more people dying in the world <clears throat> from this than any other year, you know, any other seasonal flu year, any other sort of um, vir- viral outbreak? I don't know. I'd love to know the answer to that. And then you look at the other side of the coin, which is, well, as a result of the lockdowns and everything, what is the, what's, what's been the impact? What has been the loss of life as a result of that through suicide or drug overdose or domestic violence or any number of the, the you know, probably the un... Um, I shouldn't say unforeseen, so it should have really been seen. I reckon the 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 you know what's the next bit, the bit that 
the result of the lockdowns, which are supposed to stop the spread. Is it really stopping the spread? I don't know. Um, but what is not stopping the spread is the fear and the anxiety and the pain and the and the often you know the death of of those 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 um, uh, those procedures and and the the conditions that have been put in place. So, you know, I've, I'm really struggling with are we saving more lives? You know, because I just don't know that we are. And, I, and if we aren't, then we've failed. You know, the measures have failed, really. It's just who is dying, you know. And then and the other thing that's interesting is the people who are who are dying, um, you know, say, oh, you know, someone died, a 40-year-old died in, in a hospital in somewhere. And I'm not being, I'm not saying that, you know, let's uh, just, just be clear, um, I'm not a fan of death um, and every death is a tragedy, you know, and that sounds like a bit of a, a cliche, but it is. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't. Oh, you don't care about people dying. Of course, I care about people dying. I'm, I'm also interested in how they died, and what conditions did they die under? Um, you know, did that forty-year-old who died in um, that hospital? What were his? What were his, What were his? You know, sort of other conditions. Were he diabetic? Was he overweight? Did he have heart condition anyway? Like all of the comorbidities that are never talked about. You know, it's just like someone died. Okay, well, you know, and how many people didn't? Let's talk about that. You know. How many people didn't? How many people that did get COVID that didn't die? That's an interesting stat. Um, and you want, and you're not, we're not, just, and, and just sort of getting to a sort of a health, the health, of, the health side of it. You know, like this is a great example of stuff that I and others in on our sort of you know on our wavelength bang on about is let's. What? Why aren't we as a society, as a culture, as a world, you know, species? Um, focusing more on the cause of these problems, not not the, not the symptoms. You know, you know, in farming we go, oh, we want to kill weeds. Well, let's not just kill the weed. Let's see what, what let's identify what the, the the cause why that why that weeds there. We will look at it totally differently. The the what we will do to um, solve the problem, if we indeed there is, we, you know, we identify there is still a problem, um, will be totally different. And this is no different. You know, it's like what is the, you know. What's the cause of this? I'm not talking about some viral escape from Wu-Tang. I'm talking about why are people getting um, COVID, you know, as an individual? You know, it's about susceptibility, I think. It's about um, because it's in the air. Viruses are in the air the whole time. We, we as a species have evolved with viruses, and I don't think we would, could have actually evolved as, as, as we have without them. So, you know, sometimes all viruses are bad. Some we'd rather not have, of course. But, um, you know... When we are, when our immune system is working, when we are eating healthy food, when we, it's not just the nutritional thing either. You know, when biodynamics, we talk about the energetics of it. It's not just what you put in your mouth. It's what you're absorbing through your skin. It's the attitude you have when you're eating the food. It's the engagement with the, um, with the, with the, it's the engagement with that food. It's a reverence for that food. And there is something in that. And I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not about to have arguments with people about it, but that's just something that I really I, I believe. And you know, it, it's a biodynamic philosophy. It's just a life philosophy. There's more out there than just that. Is in this piece of steak or that carrot x number of elements and minerals and enzymes, and that's that's a recipe. And you put that in your mouth, and away you go. There's other stuff that happens. You know, it's the engagement with that food. So why isn't the government talking about that? Right. It's the same old thing. What's the symptom? People getting sick. Let's hit them with something. You know, because this isn't going to go away. There'll be other variants and other versions and things, you know. 
man, let's talk about health. Let's talk about the food we eat. Let's talk about where it's from. Let's talk about the health of the soil to produce the healthy food, to build our immunity, to be healthier, to be more resistant to these things and not be as susceptible, you know. And it's it, and if we think about okay, you know, look, you look at all the, all of the the, the the things that are killing people the most. You know, it's heart disease, it's it's um, uh, it's cancer, it's you know, it's all nutritionally based. I believe, you know, it's a result of shit food, purely and simply, and shit living. You know, not thinking, not thinking, you know, or thinking negatively, or not thinking. I mean, the food is, you know, when we eat our food, that impacts our, our, our thinking, absolutely. And there's plenty of studies now with nuns and prisoners and things about, you know, in sort of reasonably isolated or, or um, uh, you know, um, conditions that, that they can sort of remove the variables of and, and, and do some correlations with, you know, good food, nutritious food and, and biodynamic food at, 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 its, at, its, at its finest, um, producing good thinking. Positive, not positive, it's the wrong word, just good thinking, sound thinking, deep thinking, conscious thought and conscious action and conscious behaviour. You know, so the health minister or ministers, I mean, we should call them the illness ministers because it doesn't seem like they're really wanting people to get healthy. That's a whole other conversation around agendas and who's 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 running the show. Well, I mean, I guess it's more yeah, that, but also you know, where's the money? Who 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 gains from health? Who gains from illness? Um, and I don't think anyone's gaining much at all at the moment. You know, so and I don't know. I just don't think that's the answer. I just think you know, let's look at the food, let's look at the lifestyles, let's look at the health, you know, and and se- and separate that, and really look at you know. Long term, long term, you know. Do we need so many people with diabetes? Do we need so much cancer? Do we need so much heart disease? You know, high blood pressure, all those things. Respiratory malfunction, all those things. Anyway, that's, I don't know how clear that was all, but it's it's really, I'm really quite sensitive at the moment because of what's going on, but is there's a, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm... Um, I'm not openly bang on about it, but it's you know it's on my mind. I think if any parent, and this is the thing that really gets me, you know, if there's if there's a tear in my eye at any point, it's it's just thinking about what it means for the kids, you know, um, and the the sovereignty and the freedom of of a family, and what we can do or now can't do about that, you know, what what rights and freedoms are literally being taken away, and <clears throat> I don't know, I, I really question the whole idea of. You know, if you follow the guidelines of what the government telling us we should do to regain our freedom, I just don't know whether that's exactly what we're going to get. <clears throat> I just don't know. Well, I kind of do, but I don't know if I'm going to talk about it too much. So that's the COVID show, and that's you know this is not over. Um, I'm just grateful I've got a farm that I can go to, and I've got food, I've got good people, I've got like-minded's, you know, I've got nutrition, I've got sanctuary. Um, it is not a coincidence that property prices around, you know, Australia. I dare I say, I'm not so familiar with that sort of sort of out west, <clears throat> far west, um, but certainly on the eastern seaboard, property prices are going up because people people want to get out. You know, they don't want to be. It's a risk mitigation strategy, isn't it? You know, and it's probably a combination. They want to get out of, get out of the urban areas where there's a con- population concentration, and you know, maybe they're. Thinking, oh, there's a lot of COVID here, a lot of a lot of illness, or a lot of exposure to things, and they just want to get out of it. Um, 
which is which is great, I reckon. You know, let's um let's 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 change the let's turn the tide of of depopulating the rural areas and get people back out there as it used to be. So that's a good thing, I think, and that's a choice. You know, people want to get out of there. Good for them. And if they've got somewhere to go, you know, and they've got the they've got the finances to do it, that's wonderful. And they've got you know farms they can look at, and that's forcing property prices up, and that's a whole other thing. <clears throat> um, but that brings a whole other another sort of realm of culture into in the rural communities, which I think is needed. You know, and I, I've banged on before about young people bringing with them to the country, not just young people, any any aged person who's not a farmer and bringing skills and experience that is not necessarily prevalent and rife in those communities. It used to be because there was a you know, lot more people and more diversity, more biodiversity of thought and thinking and behaviours and experience and skills. Let's get them back in there. Let's get them back into the rural populations and, you know, no matter what the drive out of the city, out of the cities were, is or was, I think that's a good thing. Um... And that affords, you know, if they can get themselves some land rented or bought, you know, some some sovereignty and some some space and sanctuary and they can grow their food. I mean, there's just so many multiple benefits, isn't there? The kids growing up with chickens and dogs and sheep and cows and plants and carrots and everything. Just what a wonderful experience for kids. Um, rented or bought properties, let's just do it. Let's help them out there, you know, bring our skills into the communities. Um, and there are great organisations like Cultivate Farms and others who are helping people get on land, um, and doing doing you know doing and being supported to do so, and aligning you know um, blocks of land with people who, who who want to want to do something with it. And it's really emphasised to emphasised to me the pri- the real privilege it is to be a steward of a landscape where we can, yes, maybe even under a little duress at the moment. Um, Identify, acknowledge, and 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 grow food. <clears throat> like what a wonderful thing! And this is not to sort of, you know, how can anyone who can't do that? This is maybe just a little bit of a call to action to say, you know what? If you can't own some, go and find some anyway. Go and go and visit. Take your kids. But what an honour it is and a, pl- a privilege to grow food and support your family as a parent. Um, yeah, that's a scary thing for me. That that whole the kids and what's in it for. What's what's the future for them? You know, what will they be forced to do? Have to do? What world are we? What world as parents and adults who are decision makers? You know, at government levels, industry levels. You know, what what sort of future are we actually creating for our children? You know, again, a bit of a cliche cliched thing to say, but cliches are there because they're said often and for a good reason. You know, like really, what's it all about? When I had my first child, Lilla, 11 years ago, it went, okay, I get it now. I understand why I'm a, <clears throat> what my role in the world is as a human. As a man, as a father, you know, I got it. The world changed overnight. And that hasn't changed. You know, my, my view, it's only strengthened. And, <clears throat> you know, when there's threats and there's uncertainty, you know, as parents, well, how do we respond to that? What do we do? What is our response? Um, that good old expression, you know, we have a responsibility. Break it into two words: ability to respond. You know, what we have an ability to respond. We're adults. You know, we have resources. We have experience. You know, are we preparing our children to leave us? And what are we leaving? What are we creating as a as a society, as a as a species, as a as a as mankind to have our children leave into? What are they going to into? a world that is 
what we'd liked it to be, you know, is that are we setting them up for a failure? You know, are we setting them up for, um, I don't know, what, what, where, where? <laughs> I was watching the Truman Show last night and with the family, it was awesome. Anyone hasn't seen Truman Show, it is Jim Carrey, just, he's just he's fantastic. I, I mean, it's, tw- um, how old is it now? It's 20 years old or something more, 20 years plus, I can't remember quite now. 98, 1998 it might have been. Anyway, it's, it's not, wasn't made last year, that's for sure. And there was a, there's a scene and there's a girl wearing a, wearing a badge and it said, how, how will it all end? I think that's what it said, how will it all end? Yeah, and I got just got thinking, going, oh, well, I don't know actually. I don't want it to end. Maybe the question is, how, how, where is it all going? You know, what are we heading towards? So, don't know. Be interested to know your thoughts on it all. Um, I think there's no better time for you know, like-minders to put their heads together and think about what sort of world. There's even there's even more motivation, more prompting, more good reason to be proactive and not reactive, you know, and really think about why as parents and as citizens of the of this planet and of members of the species, you know, what the hell are we doing? I just don't know. The, you know, the whole... It's not as though the climate debate has any less relevance now or is less important. In some ways for me, I'm going, oh, okay, I reckon I'm not... This is not a cop-out. By any means, I'm thinking. Wow, the I've always said nature will find nature will work itself out. Like we're the, we're going to we're going to ruin ourselves, right? Yes, ruining the planet might we, we would no doubt ruin ourselves, but like if there is no species, if we <laughs> if we have just killed ourselves, regardless of what we've done to nature, we've actually you know we are behaving in a way that in some ways. Is not re- relate doesn't relate to nature, but it relates to our, our own nature, our own behaviours. Like the Earth's probably cheering, going, "Oh, this species <laughs> that's been ruining me for however many years we've been ruining it." It's probably sighing, you know, a sigh of relief, going, "Oh, it's just going to implode. This, this mob's going to just wreck themselves, and nature, <laughs> nature will just have a bit of a clear run." bit more runway now it's kind of ironic isn't it anyway that's a <laughs> that's a bit of a bang on um yeah the code red doom and gloom you know um the un they announced their sort of code red stuff the other day um sort of plays that a bit it's you know i guess i just to that is that regenerative agriculture regenerative farming you know farmers who are working with nature it just emphasizes even more the importance i reckon of um of of the role we can play you know in this in this world whether it's talking about covid and health and and improving and boosting our immunity or just putting that aside just feeding the masses you know and and in doing so in producing beautiful nutritiously dense clean food we can't not we can't but not improve our environments because that's just it's by definition it goes hand in hand because those clean environments produce that kind of food, so where do we focus? What do we what do we focus on? Um, you know, and that's that that'll be a bit of a theme over series four with our different different guests as to how, you know what their views are. Not not necessarily about COVID, but certainly about um, yeah the world where it's going, how they, what role are we playing? I'm pretty, I mean, apart from 
feeling a bit sort of miffed about where the world's going. I'm, I'm pretty, again, you know, I'm glad. I can't tell you how how stoked I am, how, how relieved, if I think about it, that I'm in the industry that I'm in. Um, in farming, yes, but specifically in, a, in, a, in, in an industry or a, or a part of the industry which is, you know, taken upon itself, themselves to um, go against the grain and, you know, grow cleaner, more nutritiously dense food. Again, no matter whether it's COVID, whether it's any other sort of diseases in general, whether it's, you know, drought, flood, anything, um, the changing climate and the impact of humans on it. You know, this industry is has a, a wonderful role to play. I mean, we could bang on about, you know, those who are against regenerative ag generally, more to do with the, the element of regenerative agriculture which involves animals, you know, and people having a problem with animals being part of the solution. I just don't know, you know. I mean, everyone's got their blinkers on, everyone has their biases, but I just, again, trying to be objective and and I don't, I don't go out of my way to have those discussions with people who have a real, are affronted by the fact that animals, you know, are involved with every part of the environment in, on the earth and the plants uh, evolve with animals and, and vice versa. And so to think that um, methods of farming uh, that just involve plants um, and often involve gem- genetically, gem- I can't even say, I don't want to say the word, genetically modified plants, um, is a way forward, is a way to produce clean, healthy, nutritious food. You know, I think those guys are missing the point altogether. Instead of siloing things, which is easy to do, you know, I just think that um, mm, it's another it's another big one. It's another big one. I don't really want to step into the ring with that one. It's not because I'm afraid. It's more like, oh, you know, my job is not to convince any anyone of anything. You know, my job, if I had a job, that related to what I'm doing right now. It's to uh, pose questions, ask better questions, incite a bit of curiosity, um, not necessarily incite agreement or disagreement. That might be the outcome. That's fine. But it's really about putting things on the table. And again, I think that's getting back to sort of the beginning of the of my of this episode. You know, it's about um, you know the feedback we get. It seems that it has it does that you know gets people thinking it gets them questioning things rightly or wrongly um their current behaviors their previous behaviors you know behaviors of different industries of government i think it's really healthy you know i think not to look at both sides not to explore not to be curious not to um have a healthy healthy dose of courage as well because a lot of this stuff you know, whether it's you talking health or agriculture, I know it's pretty much the same thing. Environment, it's all the same thing. Yeah, it does. It does actually take some courage, because we know that. You know, internally we may not like what we're going to hear or see or discover, and externally, you know, we might find ourselves in confrontations with people about our behaviours or our thinking or our opinions, and that's the interesting thing. Is like, and everyone's got an opinion. Like, why do we have to? Why do we have to be intolerant of other people's opinions? You know, because no one ever, as I said, no one's ever had the argument, an argument, and gone the other one, gone. You know what? Hey, you know what? Thank you for changing my mind on that. That's so enlightening. You know, people don't have arguments to 
to, to win the other person over, though they think they are, it'll never, it never happens. It's just it's, it's a debate. It's, you know, put it on the table, walk away, highlight that it's there, see what happens. Um, and that's another conversation around, I guess, being a little bit political about... Um, I, can't, I think remember if I talked about this the other day somewhere, maybe it was on another podcast or I can't think anyway, about sort of, I don't know, the left and right of politics and... And where that's all going and political correctness and I don't know, that's that just baffles me um, as well. We're getting off farming for a little bit, but it's still relevant. It's about people and life. Um, you know, those on on you know in the spectrum of politics and culture that are all about tolerance. You know, it's about you need to tolerate, and I, I don't disagree, by the way. You know, you have to tolerate... No, tolerate's probably not the right word. It is in this context, but generally it's probably not quite right. Tolerate my skin colour, tolerate my um, my behaviour, tolerate my sexuality, my gender. You know, there's a... You know, I, I believe that everyone has a right to express themselves however they want to, you know. Um, that's fine. That's, you know, it's human nature. And, and, and I don't mind the fact that other people are very adamant that everyone needs to tolerate everyone else's behaviour. But the interesting thing is, and I see it often, you know, not so much personally, but which, you know, I see it online, which it doesn't doesn't make it, you know, valid. It's just, you know, I take it with a grain of salt, but I've seen enough of it that, you know, those who are often banging on about everyone needs to be more tolerant of everyone else are not at all tolerant if your view just doesn't happen to align with theirs. You know, it's really ironic and it's just a really interesting scenario that plays out um, that's another conversation, and it's not my forte. It's not I'm no expert, but it's just my observation from um, the world. That I don't know how that snuck into this episode, but anyway, <laughs> it did. Oh, truth, Reese, we're up to forty five minutes, mate, and the Corellas are still here. I have to get myself to something, so I think I might wrap it up. We've gone, oh, it said total 35 minutes. I've gone over 10 minutes. But I think the first one and the other episode went for about this long too. So, hey, um, I just want to thank you if you've got to this end of it and my rant, whether that might have in any event or, or in the least, you know, incited some curiosity and maybe some thoughts of your own about those topics. Um, I kind of enjoy doing this. I didn't really have much of a plan. I did have a plan, but as most plans need to be flexible, I've sort of veered off that a little but that doesn't matter. Um, it's all about being ad- adapting, adapting to the corellas, ad- adapting to the dogs pissing on the meat there, adapting to the changing sun <clears throat> as it moves across the sky. It's not as hot as it was um, 45 minutes ago. And I think that's enough for me. Can't wait to um, introduce you to my, the guests in Season 4. Uh, we've got some great surprises. We're really pumped. And again, I just want to say... What an absolute joy it is when we receive those that wonderful feedback. We see the downloads, we get the you know um, we get the good vibes coming from you guys, and you know we we will continue to to do this as long as we can. Um, I hope you see some value in the time you spend um, with your headphones on, walking the dog, driving the tractor, you know. Walking the, driving the kids to school. <laughs> I was going to say walking the kids to school. <laughs> well, I guess some people do walk kids to school if they're around the corner. That's if the schools are open. We love the fact that you know we are part of your day or your week. 
a lot of people say they can't, they can't wait to Tuesday mornings when the, when the episodes come out. And I tell you what, that just makes it even more um, worthwhile doing. Just, just love it. So it's a real honour to be um, to be part of your lives. And uh, I trust that season four will be a part of your life as well as we move through the next couple of months towards the end of the year. Um, what will the end of the year hold? I don't know. Um, that's why we're moving there, I guess, to find out. So uh, enjoy uh, all the guests and all the frivolity and the discussions in uh, Season 4 of The Regenerative Journey. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.